My gift to the world. So, uh, Avin, you bothered me. I will say bothered, but you greatly, greatly, greatly recommended Andor for like a month. And I was like, I'll watch it when I get time. And then I started watching it, and I was like, OMG, this show. Um, So just a heads up for everybody, we are going to spoil Andor. So if you have watched all of Andor... Uh, you can listen to this. If not, walk away, finish Andor, and then come back and listen to the podcast. And I, or if you don't care about spoilers, you can go through. Yeah, so my wife will be listening to this because she doesn't care about spoilers. There's other people out there that just don't care about spoilers whatsoever, and they will just watch. It, it doesn't ruin the glory of their show. There is no giant, great surprise no. that would be ruined listening through it. However, experiencing it on your own is something that a lot of people love. So if you don't like spoilers, 100%. Yeah, walk away. Yeah, if you want to be surprised with everything. Tell you've watched it. Yeah, I mean... The joke, so to, to go. Mm-hmm, After yeah. all that, yep. all that uh, mm-hmm. extolling of the virtues of Andor, what what, 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 was your, what were your thoughts on Andor? I mean, it's like the best Star Wars thing I've seen in a long time. I mean, it's, it's, it's the best series I've seen in a long time because... Uh, you know, everybody that doesn't like sci-fi or thinks Star Wars is goofy, I get it. You know, they're space wizards, they have laser swords. But this takes all that away and says, what if it's just normal people having to deal with fascism, really? I mean, there's a lot of parallels, obviously, to nowadays with what is allowed. But what I like about Andor is it does show how inept uh, the Empire is and how lazy they are, kind of, where they, they have people already under the thumb. They don't really have to try that hard. They've already subjugated planets they kind of take over stuff but as other characters point out which i have the cast list here because i always forget the cast list um oh no i clicked on somebody's so i did want to say the woman who plays the i uh the isb agent the denise her real name is denise go goya anyway her she is an actress she was uh amazing in the show she also does the voice of yennever of uh vendeberg in the witcher 3 wild hunt so if you play that game, she does that. But I think what I find amazing about the show is that I'm trying to see if they have. Oh, right here, um, his name was his real name was Alex Lothar, and he played Karis Nemec. He was a young rebel person on Andor's big heist they did against the Empire, the stealing the payroll. He was the one that was very young and impressionable and said all the things about. Um, all the things about, you know, that we read about in college about how bad fascism is and all that, which isn't bad, but you could tell he was very young and excited. And uh, I, I like the juxtaposition with him and Andor, Andor basically telling him to relax, you know, stuff like that. Um, and he kind of comes back towards the last episode in the form of his manifesto that's like an audio diary, basically, uh, mm-hmm. where it looked like he was writing and taking notes as well as recording his thoughts. And I love, I think the last line... I didn't have time to rewatch the episode, but I think at the end of the last episode, before Andor goes back to town to visit the the funeral of his mother, um, the last line that the revolutionary guy had before he died or in his diary was, "You have to, you at least have to try." You know, that's that's the most important part when you're fighting fascism or imperial rule tyranny. or whatever. Yeah, tyranny is try. And so, yeah, I think, and I think what's really good with Andor, a lot of people I read comment boards and listen to different reviews 
he was really reluctant in the idea that he wanted to run. He didn't really want to deal with the Empire, but the fact that you, there's nowhere to go. Sooner or later, they're going to keep taking more systems, and although it's hard and difficult for them to, they will keep continuing to try to do that. So he basically had, I think in a way, it's good that the last thing he heard before he went into town to break his fan, his uh, friend. I thought it was Biggs. I thought her name was Biggs, but it's actually not Biggs. Bix. It, yeah, Bix. Um, was he broke her basically out of the clink. She got arrested and tortured. Um, but that was the last thing he heard from the audio diary of Karis was try. And I think that's what it is, you know, um, is at least trying to give a crap that something is happening. You know, you got to do something basically. So. Yeah. I mean, and, um, I think, uh, Karis, I didn't know that was his name. I had forgotten it. I think maybe um, one character says it to him or whatever, you know, because they keep calling him the kid because he's like the youngest one in the group when they do their heist, when they're prepping for it. So, um, I think his character does a really good job of sort of underlining the challenges and the problems with the Empire that, that everyone knows about, but no one really wants to do anything about because no one wants to, to pay the price for standing up against it. Because, right. you know, they do a good job of making people afraid, right? That's how the whole show starts out with Andor against the, the Corpos. And that was interesting, uh, too, the idea of the Empire knows it can't subjugate all these planets, so they have these corporations basically control these planets, and they have, like, a council, so they have to go basically talk to the Empire about what's going on and there was consequences for if they make a mistake, basically the Empire takes over. It almost seems like this really tense alliance of, you know, we just have to do enough to not have the Empire move in. Like we're trying to toe the line enough to not have the Empire come in and take over our business kind of. You know, I, I didn't take it that way. I, I took it more of like, as, as long as we stay invisible, we can do whatever we dang well please. Yeah, that's true too, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's driven largely by greed. I mean, the head inspector on Morlana 1 in the beginning, right? When oh, he yeah. Talking, he's the, the only one. inspector about, like, just drop it, just let it go. Yeah, the young inspector was played by, uh, his real name's Kyle Soler, and his character's name is Cyril Karn. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to see so, if I can... Oh, his boss right here, Rupert Rupert Van Sedar, he was Chief Hain. He was the one that he was talking to. That Chief Hain was the one he was talking to. That I really love all that because he... Chief Hain really laid it out for him, you know, it, be, because Cyril turned in that report. And he told... Cyril had just listened. Yeah. Andor wouldn't be Andor. Yeah, well, that's the thing is his boss, I think, legitimately said the right thing. He said, listen, it sounds like these guards that were killed by Andor, or killed, were in the wrong place, they were doing something illegal, and they were basically... That wasn't supposed to happen or exist. Yeah, a place wasn't supposed to happen or exist. They were, you, you know, they were in an area they weren't allowed. It's illegal for even them to be there, and they were spending money they shouldn't have spent. Something like that. They were, like, or they were trying, they were trying to do something illegal because they were at a, I think they were at a brothel. The Star Wars okay. equivalent of brothel. So they were at a brothel that isn't supposed to be where it was, and it was that expensive one. So they have money they're not supposed to have. Yeah. Like, this creates too many questions, so don't pursue it. And they're in a bad part of town. Who knows who they talk to, which is exactly what happened, you know? Sarah would have been like, oh, you're right, you know? But his uh, his kind of rigid 
thing of the truth and what's right, which I don't know if you watch honest trailers, but they do a lot of, you know, they do spoofs of shows and they talk yeah. over them. They did one of Andor and, you know, they give people unique names at the end. You know, they're like starring and they'll like make fun of their names. They just showed Cyril screaming at someone in silence. And it's like, respect my authority, which I thought was like a really good. I thought it was like a really good thing. I'm like, that's kind of what it is. And it's the idea of like, you know, that's how he's able to wield power is he's in charge. I, I think Cyril, you see his home life with his mother, which just seems like a terrible existence where he just wakes up every morning and eats space cereal with blue milk and wants to be left alone. And his mom's like, so are you looking for a job? I'll call your uncle, you know? And, you know, she's very passive aggressive. It reminds me of like any kind of ethnicity of like, you have the Italian mother, or the Jewish mother, or the like, the, like anybody that uses pa she's passive aggressive, but she's also extremely meddlesome. Yeah. Yeah. She, she'll listen to his phone calls. She'll do all that kind of stuff of like, yeah. but all, all that stuff of like, you know, then he, I, I don't know, I, what what I wanted to focus on, because obviously gaming with grief and all that, we do do movies and stuff for something, I don't know, we, my wife and I cover movies and stuff. The idea is like, what I think was really important about, especially the last episode was the funeral. The fact that this kicks yeah. off with a funeral and yeah. it, the idea that, you know, um, the, the prison was powerful, you know, that whole thing with the prison, but the fact that he gets out of prison and basically makes a phone call home and says, hey, you know, tell uh Maeve or uh, Marva that I love her and somebody says that her that actor's name is Fiona Shy. I've seen her in a lot of stuff. But uh yeah, you know, he calls home and his friends like, you know, she died and it just breaks him, you know, it's just crazy. And um but I like that, you know, I I heard theories online or listened to different reviews where people thought maybe she was alive and I thought she was dead. And I think it was very powerful that he never got to have another moment with her. Because I mean you've lost people in your life, I've lost people in my life. You always think you're going to have one more time. And when you get the phone call or whatever, you're like, what? You know, I just yeah. talked to them X hours ago or whatever. And I think for her to be alive with like sheep and everything that they've kind of built up, especially towards that funeral. Well, I mean, the funeral would happen yeah. if she is alive. But the idea that like she's alive. Oh, that didn't really matter. You know, all those speeches they gave each other about. They really were saying goodbye because he had to leave town because he was on the lamb. You know, it wouldn't have meant it wouldn't have meant what it meant if she was alive. Because he would have maybe seen her at like a fuel depot or something. And she'd be like, oh, hey, you know, then how do you do it? Like, it's just, yeah. it. And I like the fact no, that she just I, died I, I of natural causes. That, that's a really weird um, you know, fan theory, in my opinion. Like, like you said, it, it cheapens the whole thing. It, it cheapens the relationship. I don't I don't think, based off of what we've seen in the writing from Tony Gilroy on this, yep. um, I don't think he would do that. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem doesn't seem right for the show it doesn't seem right for the way that he writes but yeah. um and, and the whole funeral scene right like like you said it sort of kicks everything off like the whole show is building up to that moment where uh she gives her huge final speech and it sort of pushes everyone over the edge yeah um and you know for andor it's that sort of realization in, in that moment even though he's not really there listening to the speech he's he's in the prison at that point in time working on rescuing Bix isn't he or does he go in after the chaos begins he goes in after the chaos begins yeah 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 well he um, also figures out that Stellan Skarsgård character um, oh man I always forget his name I, I, he's right here Luthen Luthen yeah he's right here Luthen Luthen Rawl he, uh, he realizes he's there and the only reason he would be there is to kill him because it's a loose end. Yeah. He knows his name. He knows he doesn't know that much about him, but he knows his name at least, and that's bad. And he knows his face, 
So he's okay. there to kill him, which makes sense. It kind of made me sad, but I get it. Like when Stellan Sarsgaard's character showed up, I was like, damn. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, darn it. Like, I get it. I wish it didn't happen because you guys could work, which you will work together again. Which is, I think yeah. the end of the first season was a great line of like, either kill me or take me in. You know, I, yeah. I want this to, this, one or the other. Like, I want it to be over with or, you know, we can keep working together. Stuff like that, so. And it's a great way to kick off what's what's coming. If I remember correctly, I remember seeing something that it's already been extended for another two seasons. So they had two seasons and now it'll be four? No, it, it'll be three. There's two more seasons. Oh, I got you. I got you. Yeah, I don't know. From what I understand. I just think even even uh, you know Marva's thing about you know we we were asleep and you know they're they're very powerful or whatever and you know we need to wake up like we can't you know we you know fight especially in her death speech saying fight the empire you know she didn't probably didn't know that the empire was going to crack down as much that they were going to be there she just probably thought she they were going to play it for the town you know everybody's going to gather around town square see that and then. Uh-huh. Maybe. I mean, but at the same time, right? Like, she was there as they were beginning their crackdown. That's true, because so. when, yeah, when did she record the message? You know, did she see them moving exactly. in? Yeah, did she see them moving in? Come on, I gotta, I'm literally gonna go out with a bank. You know, like, there's no point anymore. And and that was, you know, that and I, we talked about this offline, but, like, just to bring it up, the idea that she died, you know, she didn't fight, uh, she didn't do a heist, she didn't take over a fuel depot. She, mm-hmm. I, I think she said to someone, or somebody said of her, like, no, she was cleaning the old tunnels because she thought the rebels could use it. So she was just sweeping up and making sure like a supply line was clean, you know, and probably making sure that had power. I imagine if that's what she went and did. I think they said that's what she was going to do. I don't know if they ever confirmed if that's what she did. But I mean, hopefully we'll find out the next season. Yeah, but I mean, you know, Cassian uses that whole underground section at the end to kind of sneak around. And it's like how much of that was possible because of her just sweeping up and making sure there was power there. It's like she helped them even in the end, you know? And so that was the one thing that I think a lot of people didn't really talk about. It's like, no, let's really zoom in on this funeral. Cause it's, I, I think funerals in movies and shows that I've seen, it's always like the, after the funeral, you know, it's always, sometimes there's a eulogy, you know, sometimes you're in a church and then it's, it's always cut to people eating very quiet, very awkward people cleaning up. And then some dramatic scene yeah. happens there. But just yeah. to have like a full build up to the marching band comes on the street, which that was a solemn banger of a marching uh, uh, a, a funeral procession, you know. I did like their Star Wars instruments where it looked like a clarinet and a flute taped together, though. I mean, it, it had some cool space stuff on it, but I was like, is that a clarinet and a flute <laughs> like taped together basically? For I mean, it was all good. The drum beat, like all that kind of stuff of, um, you know, the guy in the tower. Uh, running the bell, the hammer guy with, um, which by the way, if you use hammers for a living and, and say, well, you know, you're in this town, there's a guy up top of a tower that uses hammers for a living and your CO says, go take the tower. Would you just climb a ladder and try to, I don't know what he was trying to do, but the guy, the fact that the, the hammer operator turned around and basically foot stomped him off the tower. I was like, who thought that was a good idea to just walk up the tower and, I don't know. It's poor. Well, I'm not going to say poor stormtroopers, but uh, I mean, he's not a he's not a soldier, right? Like he's just a guy with a hammer. Double. On a belt. Double. He's got double maces. You don't do. You dual wield the clock tower. Like it's. 
Uh, it's a dual wheeling clock tower intended. I don't know. I think. I, look, I think everyone was super angry, and uh, he knew how to use his tools well. Yeah, yeah, and then, but I like the fact what really kicks off the fighting is, uh, you know, they try to cover up the message, which is kind of symbolic of them trying to cover up. I don't think I have that lieutenant's name that was like kind of weaselly in that base. It was like, oh, we could do this and this. And the ISB officer showed up and was like, no, you have to do this and this and let them come out, let them whatever. We want to flush them out, you know. But the yeah. idea that they started fighting when he tried to cover the message and couldn't then kick the droid over. So then it was like, well, it's on now. I don't know how much that um, the female ISB agent, like the main one that they follow. And what's your character's name? Oh, yeah, I have it right here. Uh, Deidre. 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 Right, right, yeah. right. Deidre, yeah. So, Deidre's, like, competent. She is. And the Empire, it's sort of like, well, yeah, she's got some good ideas. Well, it's like, The other ISB folks are trying to, like, tamp her down and, and suppress her, and the one sort of ISB leader is like, oh, yeah, like, she's got some good ideas. So, like... I'm trying to find um, that. I've seen that guy in a lot of stuff, too, that... Uh... See if oh, I yeah. can see his uh, drones. Uh, I've seen him in some other stuff too. I'm scanning the. He should be on here. It's so weird that he's not. I'm sure he is. And and so I think it's kind of funny that like at the end, again, it's another scenario where if they'd listened to one of the more wise characters, things would be very different. Well, too, what I like about her job is she's not a soldier. She's an analyst, right? So she's looking at all this paperwork. I do like any show. As someone who finished a book last night and started another one who's trying to read more, anytime they can make reading or studying uh, kind of thrilling, I'm very, that makes me excited, you know? Like when she's dividing files with her assistant, like you read two files and I'll read two files and we'll figure out what's going on. And the fact that she literally is just reading, which strangely enough, I read something about the CAA, Bob Woodward, who was a former CAA agent. He wrote several memoirs. They based one of those memoirs off the movie Syriana with George Clooney and stuff. They did like an interview with him and he said, I think people, he goes, I'm not going to lie. There is black ops stuff the CIA does. But he says, I, I, what a, the misconception I think a lot of people have of the CIA is there is a lot of reading. You're constantly reading newspapers. You're reading memoirs. You're reading wire, you know, you're reading text messages. You're just reading a lot. You're reading history books. You're just trying to disseminate mm -hmm. all this information. He said, there's more reading, I think, than people think because you, you think it's all you know, action stuff like with Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it's really you just sitting down at a desk reading things. And I like that they highlighted that in the show of like the pattern of what the rebels are stealing isn't really a yeah. pattern, you know, or it is kind of maybe. And the Empire's like, well, we need to crack down on this one thing. And she's like, they don't care about that. They're going to do whatever they do, you know. And that's what made her yeah. pretty exceptional of, you know, we, we need to wait, you know. And they, they did that thing with the ship where they caught one of the rebel leaders and they were going to rough him up. And she's like, don't do, you know, let him go. Or, but if no, they let him know, yeah, if they let him go, well, let's make it look like an accident. They had to be very careful, you know. And then, and then Luthen, you know, leading the rebellion had to go to Saw Guerrera, uh, which shout out to that scene where, he, you know, yeah. Saw was going to work with this, I forget the guy's name, Karen or whatever that they were going to turn over. And he said, well, they know. You know, they know that he's coming. And Saul's like, so should I tell him? And he's like, if you tell him, he's going to know we know. And, you know, they're going to know that we know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that whole sequence. And it's hard, right? Like, it really digs into, like, the difficulty of, uh, in, in wartime, essentially, to them, it's wartime. Um, yeah, I heard somebody make fun of that line. Really difficult choices to make. 
Yeah, I heard somebody, uh, one of the reviews, they said they made fun of that line, you know, because he said it's war then. And they go, oh, you mean like a Star War? And I, I didn't think it was funny. I thought he was really weighing it going, I guess this is what this is. You know, we have to play the long game. And I didn't like the guy, but, you know, we had several, because you could, there was a good buildup in that episode of like, Saad didn't want to work with him. They didn't get along. He didn't want him to tell him what to do. But in the end, he was like, you know, I don't want him obviously to die. We just disagree with how to do things. But you know, like, yeah, I guess I have to make the choice to... And I think, didn't uh, Luthen after that, go to the planet and, like, wasn't he, like, miles away with his Star Wars binocular? And didn't he look at the depot they were going to hit or something? What Wasn't he there, like, looking like, oh, yeah, it's because he felt bad. So he, I think he was far away kind of looking... I think he was looking in the oh, distance going, yep, that's where he's going to die, basically. Like, I can't, you know, I can't do anything, you know, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's... I think I texted you last night. I went and had a beer at a bar and a guy just mentioned to somebody next to him at a table next to me, like, Hey, you know, you should really watch a show called Andor. And I turned and was like, sorry to interrupt, but Andor is amazing. And we talked for like 20 minutes about Andor and stuff. So, um, it's, it's such a phenomenal show. It does such a good job, you know, sticking with the theme of, of grief, right? Like they, they really do deal a lot with varied aspects of grief in people's lives. Um, you know, the, the, the part we we're just talking about, like the, the, the grieving process of your morality, having to make that decision between life and death for another right. person to, to move forward a cause. Uh, you know, Luthen's speech towards the end when he's talking to his mole in the ISB and he was like, sacrifice, what have I? Oh, yeah, it was like the sixth episode or whatever <laughs> when that guy met him and had a kid and was like, I want out. And he's like, that's not how yeah. this works. Which is like the mob, but I totally get what he's saying. He's like, yeah, what have I given up? Sunrises, love, like, I've given up everything, you know? Because I have to live this double life and I can never I can never ease up. I can never let go. I can never let my guard down. You know, I, I've... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, the grieving process for, for Andor, for Marva, and, and the way he goes through that whole, like, I have to go away, I can't be here, but I love... I love this foster mother of mine, right? Well, even she, that she he, rescued him. Even that last speech he gave to her when he was on the lamb and he's like, We have to go. I'm gonna take you, we'll go. And she says, like, yeah. I can't do that. And then the one line she says, which I love, where she says, uh, he says, But I'll always worry about you if you don't come with me and she says, Well, that's just love, you know? Yeah. And I was like, Fuck I just like stopped. I was like, Man, that's so true. Or at the end, when at the funeral, well, as the funeral procession's going on where his friend I forget that guy's name. I'll look that up really quick. But he hugs him, says, I'm so sorry. What's his name? Brassa. Brassa, yeah. He should be in the... They kind of put him deep. It's a scrolling thing I have to do. So I have to like look through the scroll to see... Doing the, the IMDb thing? Well, it's on the top cast on Google. So it's on the top bar where you have to like scroll through. Because they... Anyway, he, he says that where... He said she wanted me to tell you, you know, that she could love you more than anything you could do wrong. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, that's such a great line. You know, um, or there is a character, too, that I think that another thing of grief that doesn't get talked about a lot, but I really like was uh, Vel. She was the blonde uh, spy female on the mission, and she loves uh, Sintra. Uh, Vel's played by Faye Marseille. I've seen her before. And uh, Sintra's played by uh, Verata Sithu, I think is her name. I probably totally screwed that up. But um, the idea that uh, Vel loves uh Cinta, and I think Cinta loves Val, but the fact is she, Cinta is younger, I think, and it's kind of all in on the cause. 
You know, several episodes, yeah. she basically went deep undercover and worked in the bar across the street from Marva's place or uh, something like that, like right next door. So she could keep an yeah. eye on the place to see if he was showing up. And she's so embedded in that that she has no time for love. You know what I mean? Even though I think she does love Val, but I think Val is a little bit older, does believe in the cause, but like, you know, just wants to find love in a way. And I think that there's grief in that, of that, that thing, there's that last scene where Val actually shows up and then Sintra, Val's trying to hug her and talk to her and then tell Sintra to come away from the window because she's spying on her. And then, and yeah, and then Sintra's like, what? You know, like there's no time for this, basically. And it's really heartbreaking. There's grief in that and realizing, like, I guess they don't love you the way you love them or something, you know? Like that idea of we don't have time for this. Like this is what it's about. Uh, and that, that whole relationship actually does a really good job, too, of highlighting that. Of course, you know, Bell's uh, a completely different background and upbringing than Sintra, right? Like you can tell Sintra came up hard and had a really difficult life. And we find out that, you know, Bell is nephew or cousin nephew, like cousin which i thought was a front but they really then like two episodes in you realize they really are related and they it really is what it is because i thought oh that's a good cover she could just be the distant cousin that comes in but it's like no they really are related and they talk about it you and know like that adds such a deep level to, to that character too because you know she's out there living out in the wilderness with all of the people getting ready to do their op on on the um, payroll and Oh yeah, um, the like planet. She's living hard and she's sacrificing. You realize Aldani was the planet. Aldani was yeah, Aldani. She grew up with a silver spoon in her mouth. Yeah. Well, yeah, and so, the, just living in the brush is rough, you know. Like just her, like in a tent. The Star Wars yeah. equivalent of a tent is rough. Yeah. So, and then you know, Mon Mothma's whole story of I didn't realize until that one episode where she made the confession to Val, but she had been basically taking money from her family and putting it in the rebellion. And then the Envel says, "Well, what is missing?" And she's like, "For what, forty thousand or four hundred thousand dollars credits or whatever." And so, you know, some of that you can make go away, but like that's such a massive amount of money. Somebody's gonna ask a question about, you know, and they already did, and that's why she went to her friend in the Senate. Her, he was from the same planet as her, but they were in the Senate together. I got his name too. I've seen him in other stuff too. Um, ben Miles is his uh, real name, but he played Tay Colma. Um, they were like. Yeah. No, he's the he's her friend, not the banker. He's the one that's like, oh, I, I asked around about moving the money type thing, you know? And, uh, and, and uh, yeah. And then I'm trying to see if they have the banker on here. That dude, I don't want to disrespect that banker. I don't know if he, again, I don't know if he's on here. But let me just say, the moment he was on screen, they made him look like the worst individual. They did such a great makeup job. I want to see him without his makeup and stuff because... That man, um, whoever the illegal banker was, they were going to launder their money with. The moment you see him, you're like, this guy is the sleaziest guy. I mean, he is the embodiment of a mobster that like walks in the room and you're you're just like, Ugh. like he just and uh, he did a great job. I'm sure he looks like, you know, amazing. But when I was like, I don't want to be in a room with that guy. <laughs> like he looked really and, good. And, and even Mon Mothma's character, right? Like, again, sticking with the theme of grief, right? Like Mon Mothma's character, the sacrifices she's making, like having to give her her daughter over to oh Evan, they're just die. they're just meeting they're, it's just a meeting right yeah <laughs> right yeah. no but that whole thing of like not only that but like the fact that like you know when you're married in a relationship you kind of want the same things right you want to go in the same direction you know and for her husband like you said 
Um, I just got him right here. Alistair McKenzie is his real name. He's Perrin. I don't like his last name, Firtha. But anyway, uh, the fact that, like you said, he likes status. He likes the status of the Empire. You know, he's yeah. he, he likes the parties. It gives him money. They're, it gives him influence, right? Right. And, and Mon Mothma doesn't want any. She'll use all of that to get, you know, help the the rebels, but she doesn't want that, you know. In fact, she, you know, they make fun of the fact her and her daughter, or Perrin and her daughter, basically make fun of the fact that she is, um, she's going for a good cause. You know, oh, you're doing one of your fundraisers or one of your whatever. And her daughter is religious, right? And they and they said, and it was sad that scene with Mon and her uh, Val. Her cousin, when they're standing there, and Val's like, "Oh, she's got to do this," and she's like, "No, she likes doing it, and it's the only thing she's on time for." And you know, she cares about this, and it's like, "Oh, so not only is it like the empire, but it's like religion as well." Of, you know, that you know, because they kept talking about clinging to the old ways. If you like, listen to them chanting, yep. and you're just like, "Oh, that's just another layer of oh crap," you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's such a bad thing for your kids to be religious. Well, no, what I'm saying is if you're in a position of mom moth is, she's like, mm, like, that's another layer of, oh, crap. Like, it's not that her daughter is religious. It's that her daughter is holding on to religious traditions that my mom has let go of and doesn't agree with. Same yeah. Style. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Just, just to clarify on that, Joe, because you don't want to come across that you have a problem with religious people. I, know I don't. don't. No, I don't. No, but I'm just saying it's to me, it's like. For her, she looks at it as another problem, but her daughter looks at yeah. it as something that she believes in. She's like, oh, crap. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, oh, no. Like, if yeah, I didn't I have enough on my some, plate. Like, some rather antiquated ideas, even, like, by our standards, right? Like, it sounds like they had ideas of, like, arranged marriages and, and other stuff as a part of that, the old ways, and that was a big part. That of seemed it. like that was her planet's thing. Yeah. Mon Mothman. Like, and then, you know, since her daughter is obviously offspring, they're like, are you going to, because didn't, didn't that sleazy money guy, didn't he mention that? Like, are, you know, people think that's out of fashion, raising your, your children in the old way or whatever, you know, because he obviously would do his homework and know about her. Like, oh yeah, you guys have arranged marriages. Let's make this work, you know? And like, it's like, son of a. Well, he's from the same planet, right? Yeah. Cause he mentioned that like, oh, I haven't been there in a while or something or whatever he said. Yeah. Interesting side note, I, I, I saw an article the other day where they were talking about... Like, oh, Diego Luna... Design. Sorry, Diego Luna did get nominated for a Golden Globe, right? He sent me that. Yes, he did. That's amazing. Uh, they, they were talking about costume design for the show. And so the show actually was like, okay, well, this is like pre-episode uh, four, pre-New Hope. And so like we want it to be sort of in that same stylization of costumes and appearance of the characters that they used back then so like we went with the 70s sort of style which is why that the the kind of sleazy mobby banking guy had like long sideburns oh yeah and and some other stuff that they did that Par- was sort of period Par- specific to the movies yeah Perrin had a lot of like asian themed like it almost looked like he was wearing uh like some weird what you consider like a bushido outfit like a very silk robe his hair he had like a ponytail and his hair was cut very nice you know it was very much like this regal you know and i mean the, as far as showing coruscant i mean the costuming was amazing you know i'm really amazed at the well they're not it was before the battle of yavin so like there was a lot of aliens you know but if you look at who was serving in the empire it's always humans you know, so these senators are from other systems, but again, the empire is xenophobic. They don't like, 
I do like the fact that they alluded to, because I always thought about that Star Wars, like, where are all these humans coming from? And they said something about, I think, Cassian, he's a human from this planet, meaning that they're, like, kind of all over. You know, Han was a human from um, wherever he was, I forget where. But, like, there's human species on different planets, where it's like, you're human yeah. from this planet, you're whatever. Like, you know, a long, long, long time ago in a galaxy far away, there was, like, a pioneering spirit where everybody went off and went to different planets and stuff, so. Sort of, um... Oh, I can't think of uh, uh, Foundation, sort of like. Oh, yeah. That I still have to watch on Apple TV. It's only a few episodes, I think, uh, Foundation. It's, yeah, six or eight. I don't remember. Um, it, the Foundation, the series, does not follow the books very closely. Yeah. I, well, I heard the books are pretty dense. So it's they were probably like reading and going, we kind of want to adapt this. but oh. Not really, actually. Oh. I, I, I personally would think it's the other way around. Oh. Like Asimov wrote very light and let the reader fill in a lot of what they wanted to see. And it's my own opinion. Well, he was one of the, Asimov was like one of the first sci-fi writers too. So, you know, you, you look at old work from people like that, that are writing in a genre. Like I even read HP Lovecraft, you know, he committed, he invented cosmic horror kind of in a way. And it's not really that descriptive. We, it's very, like you said, you, it lets the reader, you know, kind of fill in the blanks. But if you think about back then, just mentioning stuff like that, like Osmo or HP Lovecraft, like, you, you, your mind would go to so many crazy places. Like, what is screaming under the ground, you know? Like, stuff like that. Or, like, what is in space? Like, that kind of stuff. If you just described stars. I don't know. I, I Back to Andor, I think that, um, you know, the, the, people didn't focus enough on the funeral, I think, because the, the fact that th- this is... And, and, two, once this kicks off, once for... I, I don't know, you know, they kind of show the battle, Andor leaves, he gets his friends out. Um, you don't know how it's going to go for uh, Ferex, for the planet. Fenix or no. whatever. And so, Ferex. yeah, Ferex. Are they Are they going to, did they get crushed or did they make it out? No one knows. You know, we don't know. So uh, I hope in the next season they talk about the, you know, what happened. Like, here's the, you know, well, 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 it appears to be the, you know, the consequences of my own actions type thing of like, what's going to happen? Like, so I'm excited to see, you know how that uh, yeah. comes to no, be. Hands, hands down. I mean, simultaneously, I think it's really cool. And simultaneously, it was kind of like the one thing about the show that bothered me is that it, it has the feel, and you and I talked about this, that Andor's sort of accidental killing of these two guards uh, is the thing that kicked off the whole rebellion. And you and I talked about it, and, and, and you brought up the very good point. Like, this this kind of stuff's probably happening out all over, right? Like, right. Ethan's traveling all over the galaxy. Yeah, and Mon Mata and him. talking about yeah. Axis, running these different things that seem like they're disconnected, but right. really are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Andor's just sort of one person in this whole thing. But it really has the feel of, like, there's a shift in the culture, there's a shift in the perception, right? Of, yeah. Of what happened on Ferrix. Now it's the Empire, right? Like they just bury the story. It doesn't. Get well, they're out. they're not going to talk about it, you know. Um, and and I don't think those guards in the very first episode would have been talked about if they didn't if that guy didn't get that report and push it up to his superior. There's no way it would have been like two corpos dead, you know. The supervisor. Gerald had done what he was told. Yeah, you know, give him something like they were trying to help somebody. Nothing heroic. We don't want a parade. Yeah, and then also, I, 
that episode where it goes bad for Cyril and uh, Andor gets out of there with Luthen and there's explosions and they they put explosions in that truck, the space truck, the Star Wars truck, blow it up and all those guards die and Cyril's just looking around like, what have I done? I remember right when it ended, the credits were going, I was like, oh man, his boss is coming back from that conference and going to be like, what? Because there was a scene like that when the Empire's there and the guy and his boss was like, his boss was like, uh, I didn't have anything to do with this, sir. Like he, and it was like, I was at the conference you were at and I got back in this and I felt so bad for that dude. He's probably working in a mine like the rest of them or whatever their depot jobs they have. You're just like, oh my, that guy. He's he's the tragic hero of all this. Andor had agents. Yeah, he is. Because Cyril kept going and Cyril's, I mean, he, you know, at the end of his when he saved um, Deidre or whatever, you know, he's going to be somehow promoted or given some position because he did save her, you know, and uh, and I do like that she was in a little bit of jeopardy. I thought she was going to die, you know, and she didn't because uh, she's well, an analyst. Shows that, like she's an analyst. Exactly. It shows that she's not a frontline person. She's not a combat person. And, and you know, that, that idea, too, of firing on civilians, I mean, I know it's Star Wars, but you do get that feeling when they start firing on them, you're like, oh, man. You know, like, yeah, the kid did detonate a bomb, but, like, the fact that they're literally unarmed, you know, everybody else is unarmed, and they just start firing on civilians, you're like, this is not going to go well. You know, and the fact that blaster bolts will lift people up in the air and just kill them one shot, one kill. And we saw that in the prison uh, the few episodes earlier about... You get shot, you're dead. You know, that, that's it. All that kind of stuff. It's just like, oh, man. You know, so it... Uh, I mean, I have, my, I have my own opinions about that. Because, like, that's just Hollywood dramatization. Yeah, because they're early, like, the, the, the episode 4, 5, and 6, people just fall over, but they'd still die. And plus, it was the heroes, right, in 4, 5, and 6. So, like, they would get winged a lot, you know, and Andor got winged. But, uh, you know... You do have that. What do they call it? Plot armor or whatever. I it didn't. I didn't mind it as much because it was a public gathering and the empire just opened fire. So you're like, well, I mean, these... I didn't mind it. it. It was. It's dramatic. It's powerful. But it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, it would never actually happen. Plus, like in movies where people get hit with a shotgun and they fly back, like no, they don't. Yeah, one thing I, I it really made me question though, in a weird nerd nuts and bolts way, was like, wow, blaster bolts are just very inaccurate. How do snipers work? Because it really seems like with the sights you have in a blaster rifle, you're just hoping it goes in that direction. So uh, I kind of understand the stormtrooper's plight of not being able to hit anything. When you watch people get in a firefight in this show, which I think is really good, you're like, they're really just hoping it goes downrange, I guess, and hits somebody. Like, there's no, like, how do you zero in your blast? I don't know. That's, it's, it's crazy. Like, yeah, that that um, that also is something that's really like, wait a minute, aren't these like basically lasers? Like, shouldn't they be perfectly accurate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever the technology is, you notice it's not a sustained laser. So it's like, however they made the technology, they're like, just throw it. It's like a laser catapult that just throws like a section of laser. Like, yeah, I don't know, but musket. yeah, yeah, a, yeah, a laser musket. So it is of like, well, let's hope it gets down suddenly there. Suddenly they're uh, suddenly they're dwarves. With- Blunderbusses. Yeah, and they're kicking butt. Yeah, they do talk about in some of the literature, like people having older weapons too. And you saw Andor's kin. It so they were on that planet. Andor and his uh, clan, I guess, or whatever tribe. It looked like they were like crashed from some other something. Because remember, so, they they see that ship and they and. and they're speaking another language. I like that they didn't subtitle it because you really have to infer what's going on. Go ahead. So we watched the episode last night. We watched the first episode. So he's Canari. Yeah. Yeah. So he's from, from the planet Canari. 
and if I remember correctly, they talk about it a little bit later in the show. So Canari had been like an imperial mining planet that the Empire had just like mined into oblivion and had like poisoned it so much there was a huge ecological disaster that the Empire buried, which is why people aren't familiar with Canari. That's why when they were doing their investigation, they were able to find out a whole lot about Canari. And so I get the sense that the kids, because like Andor's people, Casa's people, um, kind of had their little little Lord of the Flies thing going on. Uh, I think it's like the surviving kids of all these parents. Oh, yeah, that's it. Because it looked like they had quasi uniforms on or something. You know, they weren't wearing like they weren't wearing like leaves that they had stitched together. It was like these are like uniforms that are torn, obviously, and stuff. But it looks like they patched together. Yeah, other stuff that they had available to them, right? And they're they're hiding out in the woods. So my guess is like whatever disaster happened on the planet killed off the parents. The kids were maybe at home or somewhere else, and they had to flee into the woods. And they all kind of met each other in the same place. Like, okay, we're going to build our tree fort, you know, our lost boys tree fort, whatever, because we don't know what else to do. But I I love the fact that they use blowguns. I like that there was another mining disaster, which, I mean, happens in mining, you know? It's like there could have been an explosion. There could have been a noxious gas thing that their masks weren't prepared for, even though it's, you know, and that's one of the things. some kind of an ecological disaster, if I remember I think at some point they talk about Canary was a cover-up because there was a, an ecological disaster. So it's probably, you know, the environment got poisoned in some capacity. Yeah, they, like, poisoned the groundwater or something through mining, you know, or, fra- like, the Star Wars equivalent released, of... Uh, released some sort of toxin that was buried in the... Yeah, well, there was that green mist around and everything, remember? And the, some of the guys were dead. They were, like, pale or whatever. I remember that. I don't know. It's just, and it, it, you know, the, the grief of him being knocked out. And, like, a lot of people complain about the first two episodes being slow. But, like, the fact that he wanted to go back and, like, avenge his sister or family member. Because that wasn't his sister. his sister. And then he found her dead. And then he started smashing the machine because he didn't get anything. And he just said, you know, he, he's uneducated. You know, because it was whatever happened to him. And he, you know, he's just literally lashing out. And the fact that Marva saw him and she said to her friend, who I forgot, it, it took me a while to connect that, that the guy she was with and because they were trying to get parts. And he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, the, he'll be dead if the Empire shows up. They'll just kill him. So we either take him with us or he's dead. They'll kill it. They'll kill everybody that was here if they find him, you know. So we're actually helping out by taking him. But I didn't realize till the flashbacks that Andor had Later, that was the same guy who was, like, cleaning the radiator. It looked like a little radiator, and he's like, people don't realize the rust on this. If you clean it, you'll get 500 credits. Or, like, if you just, you know, and that was kind of an analogy for, you know, people don't look, they don't look down. They don't. I love that speech that Andor gave to Stellan Skarsgård, too. His whole reason for stealing for the Empire, how he was able to, because Stellan was like, how are you able to do this when they meet? And he's like, how was I able to? They don't look, you know, they don't look down. They don't care. They're fat, happy. You know, they, yeah. you just have to pretend to be one of them, and you are. You know, like you walk in with a toolbox. Yeah, you have a uniform, you have a toolbox, you're fine. You know, they don't care. You know that idea, and then and then that's reinforced in the prison. Well, it's reinforced yeah. later, but in the prison when he's like, you know, how many Kino, how many people, you know, Andy Serkis again, when he should get a Golden Globe for a supporting actor right there. Um, where's his? Did was that in the list? Did you see that in the? No, that's no. I um, some Star Wars fan page shared the uh, Diego Luna nomination. So I didn't like go digging. I'm not a giant like Golden Globes fan. No, I, you know, people bag on awards all the time, but like if you hear on the back end, what awards do is obviously they give visibility to your project. And if you're involved in like production or acting, you, it's easier for you to get things done later and uh, you can ask for more money. 
So if you're like a, a starving artist that makes an Oscar-winning or Emmy-winning film, the next thing you go to do, you can go back and say, well, I did win an Emmy, so I want this much money now, you know? So not that they have to accept your offer, but you could at least ask. But um, I think his idea when he talked to Kino, when Andor talked to Kino when they were in the prison, and he said, um, how did he put it? He said, uh, well, he said... Pause. Pause real quick, because I, I had to look it up. Diego Luna is only the second person ever to be nominated for Golden Globe in anything Star Wars related. What was the first one? Do you know? I don't know. Oh, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't say here. Well, even, I think, too, if it was to win an award, I think people that think Star Wars is dumb sci-fi would be able to go, oh, the actor won a Golden Globe for that show? Maybe I should watch that show, you know? like it. Alec Guinness's supporting role in A New Hope was the only other performance that garnered attention from the Golden Globes. You know what's funny about I mean, that? Luna is the only person to be nominated as a lead. Mm, that's pretty amazing. I mean, if it goes to, I mean, if it comes to pass, it'll be great because it, like I said, any any anybody that thinks that sci-fi is dumb, like you and I like sci-fi, but there's people out there who just don't like it or don't take it seriously. But if it wins an award, people start to look and go, "Oh, that won an award," you know, like maybe I should watch that. But um, this some art piece? No, this was an amazing drama piece set in wartime, dealing with struggle and loss and like moral quandary. Yeah, and and well, like he said to Kino, like to finish my thought on the prison, yeah. for him to say how many guards are there and he goes they'll hear us and he goes they don't have to listen to us they don't care they don't care they don't this doesn't bother them at all they don't care about us they don't think about us you know so how many guards are on each floor and then i love when they found out that they burned a floor they killed everybody on the floor because they were just recycling you're supposed to get out of your sentence but they were just sending you to another level and then someone figured it out they burnt the empire burned the floor literally electrocuted him to death and they uh, they had an, an elderly guy there that died and when the medic was talking to him, there's no way out. Nobody's getting out. Here's what's happened. I love when they got up and then Daigaloo said, how many people on each floor? And Kino said, no more than 12. I was like, that's my boy right there. And then just that moment they have with him the next episode where he's in his cell looking at the wall. And they just have the camera on his face and they're all yelling. And he's really wondering, like, should I say, what should I do? You know, you really see him struggle. Like, and then he finally just says, we're not, you know, only one way out. We're not getting out of here. They don't care make it look real, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, yeah. And that thing where they're running out, where they they just scream uh, one way out. In fact, Honest Trailers, who makes a bunch of jokes, when they got to that section, the announcer goes, three prison episodes that were so good. <laughs> like, they, they didn't even make fun of that whole thing. And they showed that scene where they're running out, saying one way out, one way out. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't make fun of that. Like, it was great, you know? So, so I just tell everybody that, like, yeah, you don't like the first two episodes of Andor, but please, please just like, I thought all that stuff was thrilling. I liked how the inciting incident with him killing the people paid off, but some people might go, oh, I didn't like that. It was slow. There wasn't any, any lightsaber battles or blah. It's like, no, just watch what's going on. And I hate telling people though, to like the worst thing I hate, especially with games. It happens a lot with video games. Man, I really didn't like the first two hours. Well, like around hour six or seven, it gets really good. It's like, that's so much time. Like, I have to be hooked right away. I'm not going to spend 15 hours going, when does this get good? You know, like a show, you can dip off after an hour and say it's not me. me but games, a lot of it, that bothered me because you're like, come on, man. Like, just no, you know, <laughs> like it, it's either got a hit or it doesn't, you know. And so, you know, for me and or hit, like from the opening moments, I was like just tunnel vision into what was happening. I think I texted you right after I watched the first episode. It's like, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you did? Yeah. And I was like, you're right. 
I'll keep. It's, it's so good, and I'm so glad that Diego Luna got the nomination for uh, best performance. Yeah, uh, it's best performance in television series drama i would say i would say go i think it's still on netflix but go watch michael clayton it's very good i think it came out in the the early 2000s um and you see him there i think he wrote and directed it for years and it's it's uh it's really really good it's not on netflix they took they took it off carla checked like three weeks ago or something like a month ago and it was on so they might have taken it off stuff rotates all the time oh i'm not logged in on this computer so i can't just like sign in and check it but like, but I, I went looking for it and I didn't see. I, it. I would say if if it's rentable even on Amazon Prime for a couple of bucks, it would, it would definitely be a movie night for you and uh, Lisa because I it's one of those things where there's lines even in that that I don't want to ruin that people say to each other just like Andor where you're like I'm gonna remember that like when um, Anna or whatever goes to uh, Luthen's uh, antique shop, which I love the fact that he sells antiques, um, and the assistant who it, her name isn't Leia. But we, it's close to Leia. I'm trying to see if I can see her. It's like Valea or something like that. she not on the list? What? She's not on here? I'll tell you, the person who plays Mon Motha looks much different. She's got long hair in this photo. I'm like, whoa, that's Mon Motha? Um, Mothma. Mothma, Um, Let's see here. Keep going. What? Oh, here we go. Oh, they, yeah, they don't have her on here. Um, But anyway, the assistant... Um. She, when, when Anna's like, you know, I don't have much time or something. And he says, or she says, I don't have sometimes I have always meaning like you're looking at this one event, but I'm having to be vigilant. Clea. Clea. She's like, I'm having to be vigilant all the time. You know what I mean? Like this isn't a thing. Like I have more things to worry about than you. So get out of here, get out of my face. I'll say this too. I was a little heartbroken. So there's a scene when Clea goes to, uh, Faye Marseille's character um, and says, I, I need you to kill Andor, you know, because he's a loose end. And, oh, to Vel. She goes to Vel and says, I need you to kill Andor. Uh, he's a loose end. And I was like, oh, she's a loose cannon. She's just um, she's just saying this to protect Luthen, and Luthen isn't micromanaging everything. She's kind of going, she's gone rogue right in a way, you know? But then it, when he shows up to kill Andor at the end, I was like, oh, no, he did want him dead. Oh, well, okay. Like, I felt, I was like, I get it, Luthen. I'm not happy about it, but I understand, you know? Well, and, you know, she she's very protective of him. Like, she's watching out for him and his slipping. Like, put the radio away. Yeah, you don't need like to listen. Thing. The police scanner, the Imperial police scanner, he's trying to listen to see. Which, by the way, they wouldn't report that stuff right away. They'd probably bury that stuff. So I don't know what he thought he was going to hear, maybe. Well, I mean, he's listening to chatter. He's not listening to news broadcasts. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because they, they had to cut comms and all that stuff. Yeah, it was all really good. So, I don't know, man. Andor is really good. It's really, really good. Watch Andor. Uh, you know what? If you don't like the first episode, <laughs> what's that old saying? If I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. If you don't like the first episode, just wait longer. That's all. <laughs> just watch the episode two. Like, just... Yeah. Get through Dude. the first couple episodes before you really judge it if you don't like the first couple episodes. But honestly, like, they, they do such a great job for building the backstory and the background of these characters that I, I think people should be... Uh, the kind of people who are going to love the show are the ones who are already going to be sucked in by yeah. the backstory. Because they're going to already have connections to the character. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's my thing is, like, 
I want to see stuff like this where you just sit with someone for a while. And like Marva, oh, like you just sit with her and she is arguing with him. You know, she's elderly and she's infirmed. She wants to do more. She can't. And then she gets some of them. She's like, I can't wait anymore. I can't be asleep. I got to help. You know, and the fact that she's ailing and they did do an aside of her not being able to, it sounds like, pay for her heat or she didn't turn her heat up or something. And because everybody kept coming in going, oh, it's so cold in here. And he even said to her when he left, keep, keep your heat at 60 degrees or whatever, you know, keep it. And she wasn't doing that, you know, like it was like maybe she didn't have money. You know, I don't know how retirement works in Star Wars, but I don't think she had a lot of cash laying around. Or maybe she was spending her money another way. Yeah, that too. Maybe that'll come. Maybe there'll be some weird gift in the next season. Like, who paid for all this? Like, oh, we got a donation from the daughters of Ferex or whatever. You know, like so. Oh, like she was involved in that type stuff. So, well, uh, thank you everybody for listening to our incredibly special Christmas special of Andor. Uh, Avin was right. You have it on on recording, Avin, and this will post to the internet. So you were right. I should have watched Andor much sooner. I hope when the next season comes out that they do like a double episode premiere. Like, I don't think I'll stay up till midnight because they usually come out like on midnight. The you know what I mean? It's like three a.m. Eastern time, so people stay up till midnight to watch it. I'm like not doing that, but I, I definitely will watch it. You know, uh, you you have my attention now as Leonardo DiCaprio. So, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, that's it there for this week, guys. I will talk to you next week. And if you're an American, you celebrate uh, Christmas, you know, Merry Christmas and everything. If you don't, enjoy your day off. If you don't have a day off, try to have a good Sunday because, you know, Sundays are Sundays. And it sucks if you have to work retail, as Abbott has done before, and you got to work Sundays, especially on Christmas Day. I can't imagine it's great, especially in your service industry. I'm sure there's returns. People are just aggravated, you know. you got to work at a supermarket on Sunday. That's got to be the worst. So... Try to have a good day, and I will talk to you guys again next week.